Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today we're starting another research call with Dr. McFarlane. Uh, Zach participating in our last uh, career call. If you haven't heard, please go ahead and, and listen to that. He talked about his career, a lot of things that he did during his PhD, and his transition to a position now here as a professor uh, in California. So before we go ahead and call Zach, let me go ahead and call Brooke Latek. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, so, Brooke, uh, is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, let's go ahead and call Zach. Hello, Zach. Hello, Pedro. Hello, Brooke. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure to record another podcast about your career. And today we are going to talk a little bit more about what you're developing uh, as a researcher here in California, things that you have done, things that you're planning to do. But I think Brooke has a couple of questions for you before uh, to get started. Yep. So um, the last the last call we had, you talked a little bit about the bull test that yeah, you're doing as a professor there and the bull sale that you have. Um, so we were hoping to kind of talk a little bit about that and how you developed that program and um, what what really started that idea for you. Absolutely. So um, fortunately for me, the Cal Poly bull test has a really long history here in California. Um, We've had the Cal Poly Bull Test for 65 years. We're going into our 66th year uh, here in 2022, um, and we hold our annual bull sale the first Sunday of October every year. Um, and so I was very fortunate to come into a, already a very strong program, and it also allowed me to think a little bit about how my training and my my research program and teaching program can fit this already very strong program. How can I um, put my own spin on it? How could I even potentially uh, make it better? And so uh, the bull test started in 1956, and it was actually one of the earliest performance bull tests in the country. It, it originated with a group of Hereford bulls. Um, and now it's transitioned into an all-breed uh, performance test. And so the goal was to provide range-ready bulls uh, to some of our local producers here, not only in San Luis Obispo County, but throughout the state of California. Um, and so um, it transitioned into um, really the only fully student-run bull test in the country, uh, meaning that we have student managers that are responsible for the caring for those bulls day in and day out, um, as well as uh, students that help me with all of the marketing side and all of the uh, data collection side. So really, it's just me and my coworker Aaron Lazanoff, uh that runs the beef unit, and then our group of students. We bring in about... Um, generally about 150 bulls per year. Um, and this is a consignment sale. Um, so we bring in bulls from bull breeders across the state of California. We tend to have some producers from Nevada as well um, that bring their bulls to Cal Poly in May, generally the last weekend of April, first weekend of May. And then they remain on campus until our sale in October. And we, we test their average daily gain. 
Um, and we're hoping we can continue to improve our program by implementing some more feed efficiency um, opportunities with um, some new feeding, uh, mo uh, hopefully some new feeding units um, that help us monitor feed efficiency. So that's kind of the my most recent goal uh, for the bull test. Hopefully that helps answer some of your questions about the origin and um, where we're at now. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, and so can you talk about, because you've hinted at it, just some of the uh, research in the program you've been developing yourself since you've started? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my training is really with heifer development and, and grazing programs. But when I got to Cal Poly, you know, part of my job was to be the advisor of the Cal Poly Bull Test Program. And, and what a better opportunity to do research that's unique, um, not only to Cal Poly, but also in general, right? Very few people work with bulls. Um, and so that was a, a really exciting opportunity for me to start working with my undergraduate students. Um, that was kind of how I started. Um, we used a lot of the historical data um, that was compiled here from the bull test program over the past um, couple decades, really, um, where we have very strong data sets. Um, so that was a great opportunity for students uh, to really start learning about data collection and data processing and analysis. Um, and then I transitioned into, okay, my approach has always been to think about development, right? So what happens during development that can influence fertility, for example? Um, is that behavioral? Is that, um, of course, from a nutritional standpoint, um, uh, as well as the growth and development of the reproductive organs? And so that's helped me develop um, uh, my research approach into what's going on at bull test. But then on top of that, what happens after? Okay, what happens after those bulls leave? How do we track their performance? Is there really a way that we can pinpoint some of our successful breeders at bull test? And how does that translate to their later performance in life? And so part of what I, my original thought was, hey, okay, how do we even establish if there is uh, research or education that we need to deliver at the Cal Poly bull test without understanding what management decisions or what selection factors that our California bull buyers are actually utilizing. And so that's where I really started um, after getting some students involved in uh, data mining. How do we even establish if there's a problem in bull development or management? And so um, I developed a survey uh, to start. And so I can talk a little bit more about that moving forward. So that's, that's kind of just an overarching, um, uh, you know, mile high view of what my research program has become. That's really interesting. Um, and I can definitely understand trying to figure out what the problem is before even getting started on anything like that. So, um, but yeah, that would be great if we could hear a little bit about um, the survey uh, and how that went uh, and what you learned from it. Absolutely. So uh, I worked with uh, Dr. Casey DeAtley at Chico State University, um, as well as Tracy uh, Shore, 
Y'all are probably familiar with Tracy uh, with UCANR. She's uh, one of the livestock advisors up in Northern California. And so we decided uh, just at California Cattlemen's meeting um, in Reno a few years back, hey, how can we work together? What can we do since we're all in different locations um, and we're all interested in bull selection and management? And so we sat down and talked to each other about, hey, how do how do we develop a survey? And Tracy has quite a bit of experience um, with producer surveys. How do we develop a survey that encompasses not only selection factors like expected progeny differences, um, you know, what breed are you selecting for? Um, but more importantly, for me at least, what happens once you buy a bull? How do you manage that bull? What's the longevity of that bull? Um, why do you cull a bull? What, are, what drives those culling decisions? Um, and so, what we decided to do was develop a survey. We had about 30 questions. It was a mailed survey, so we actually developed it to look like a sale catalog, um, a bull sale catalog, actually. Um, and we distributed it um, with the California Cattlemen's Association mailing list. Um, so we were very fortunate to have the support of the California Cattlemen's Association, as well as the California Beef Cattle Improvement Association. Um, and so we used that mailing list and we sent that um, survey in catalog form. And essentially what happened was that uh, producers would fill out the survey by hand, rip off the outside cover, and there was actually um, an envelope, a prepaid envelope that they could stick that um, survey back into and mail it here to Cal Poly. And I had some undergraduate students help me compile all the data um, for data analysis. So uh, we sent out about 1,400 surveys and re we received um, over 200 responses back. Um, and it resulted in about a 16% um, response rate, which um, we expected, right? Surveys, especially of that length, uh, can be um, difficult to receive responses, but we were very fortunate. Uh, we also sent out a um, a follow-up survey, so we sent off two, um, two rounds uh, just in case it was lost in the mail or for whatever reason it was thrown away, for example. Um, so we wanted to bug producers a couple of times, but the way that we maintained data integrity was we did have actually a very specific code at the bottom of the uh, the survey that would not allow us to mail um, a survey res uh, response and and duplicate those responses. So um, all that being said, just to kind of get back to some of the data, um, overwhelmingly uh, producers uh, preferred to purchase Angus bulls over eighty percent of producers. Um, the average bull uh, battery was about 18 head, but we noticed that we had quite, uh, the standard deviation was really high, which would imply that we were uh, receiving responses from producers, some of the largest producers in California, as well as what we would consider more of an average producer here in California with a smaller herd size. Um, we did have some producers that had, um, 
uh, operations in multiple Western uh, states in the Western United States, um, besides just California. Uh, the average bull purchase price was approximately $5,000. Um, the average bull longevity was five years. Um, and so it was kind of interesting to get some of that initial data into, hey, how are we selecting bulls? And overwhelmingly, um, birth weight and calving ease direct EPDs, um, so obviously anything related to birth weight, were the overwhelming uh, primary selection um, expected progeny differences that we saw from our, our bull buyers. Um, but we also asked some questions related to marketing. So uh, over 89% of producers uh, felt that a bull preview, so prior to the sell, they wanted to see the bull in person. They thought that was uh, highly important. Um, bull body condition was very important. Over 87% of producers um, said that that was, um, they were in agreement that that was um, an important attribute for them. And I obviously will not be able to go through everything, but we also were interested to see not only how were we selecting these bulls, uh, but what happened after, right? So how did you manage bulls in the off season? Um, you know, there was quite a mixture of responses. A lot of our producers uh, manage bulls in a bull pasture separate um, from the rest of the herd. Um, some producers would actually supplement hay in those bull pastures, uh, but very, very few producers would uh, manage bulls using a high energy diet in a dry lot system, for example. So uh, more of a grazing system for our producers here in California. And then when you think about um, breeding soundness exams, for example, uh, we wanted to know how often uh, producers performed one. Uh, when did they evaluate semen quality? And what was um, somewhat surprising, but when you consider um, the entire United States, we kind of fall in the same uh, vein as the United States producers. 20% of California producers do not evaluate semen quality after purchasing a bull. And so that's problematic, right? Why are they not uh, collecting or, or analyzing semen quality? Is it convenience? Um, is it because they don't really understand the value? And so we don't we can't really know for certain uh, based on our data, um, but that gives us a starting point. Right. Can we um, educate producers about the value of a breeding soundness exam? And so finally, one of the things that I was very interested in is what was your primary culling criteria? Um, and so age, bull age soundness. Uh, so that would be structural soundness in particular. Um, and injury were the primary um, culling criteria. And so fertility did not seem to be um, as much of, an, of a culling criteria, but that was also listed as one of the responses. So overall, that kind of gave us a starting point with, okay, what is some uh, research that we can conduct um, related to some of uh, the things that we learned through the survey? And so I've published a few um, 
popular press articles with the California Cattlemen's Association. Um, I've also done a few um, presentations at uh, various organizations across the U.S. Um, and recently, my graduate student, uh, Megan Banworth, she actually published a proceedings paper for the Western section for the American Society of Animal Science um, recently uh, based on this data collected in the, in the survey. So that's part of her master's thesis program um, is the bull survey work. So a lot of interesting stuff that we were able to learn. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool, Zach. I, like I, you actually brought the point that I was going to ask because about the cooling criteria. And, and I was just interested if with your data, were you able to see any trends on how the, the owners manage their, uh, their bulls and the, the age that the animals were being called? Like, uh, are the owners who are managing a pasture system or supplementing system or even the, the dry lot system, are they being able to keep the animals longer or are they having to cool the, the animals earlier? Were, with your data, were you able to observe any trend on that or something like that? Yeah, so that's an interesting point, Pedro, because that, that was one of uh, my goals, but we didn't see, I ran a few simple correlations Mm -hmm. um, you know, between some of the, the responses, for example, um, you know, uh, average bull age, uh, and even looking at price, for example, uh -huh. and, <laughs> and things like that. And, and there wasn't really any trend that I could see. Um, you know, we're still kind of working through some of the data analysis, particularly for, um, for those type of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're hoping that based on s some of the, the things that we learned, that would be ideal to pinpoint, you know, let's focus on culling decisions in particular, or, or even just post sale management. And maybe we do a follow up survey, and potentially even uh, doing some interviews. Um, so more of a, a qualitative data versus quantitative. Mm -hmm. um, that's way out of my pay grade, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, qualitative data really scares me. But, you know, through this process, I've learned a lot and and started to build a, a great team here at Cal Poly and as well as, you know, some collaborators across the country. Um, actually, we worked with New Mexico State University and they um, actually uh, conducted a version of the survey we did here in California using the same questions. Um, there were a few minor changes, of course, based on regionality, um, mm -hmm. but overall it was very interesting to be able to collaborate. And we're hoping uh, to submit companion papers um, in the future, the very near future, um, with some of the New Mexico producer data as well as the California producer data. Um, but the way we tried to design the survey was so that we could actually have some follow-up surveys based mm -hmm. on what we were able to collect and analyze. Um, but also, this survey hopefully could be used in any location, any region of the country, and it would still be fairly consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, there would be some regional changes, um, but the idea was that through the development of the survey, we were hoping that we could collaborate 
and open this up to a broader audience. Nice. That so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, uh, no, that, that's fine. Thank you very much. Of course. Um, and then so for our last question, uh, we just kind of want to know what's next for you and your research. Uh, you mentioned future surveys and expanding a little bit, but just in general with the bull test, what, what, what are in your plans? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the reason I wanted to talk about the survey was because it helped launch a lot of the research that I was hoping to do. Um, and it helped me kind of fine tune some of my research. And so one of the things that I'm very interested in is is development, this concept of growth and development. Um, you know, with my background with heifer development, that really led naturally into bull development and management, um, both during that period after weaning um, and as they approach uh, maturity. And so one of the things I've started to do is uh, follow our bull battery here at Cal Poly during the breeding season. And so I'm really interested in this con. We know that bulls lose body weight, right? I'm interested in the concept of body weight fluctuation. We know that body weight fluctuation can have a negative impact on fertility in females, right? That's well documented um, in various uh, production systems. Um, but how does that influence the sire, right? Mm -hmm. The sire provides half of the genetic potential for the calf crop. And, you know, there's all these interesting ways we can go epigenetically. But that's, you know, more me dreaming long term. <laughs> but right now my focus is, OK, we get these bulls off of the bull test. Um, we have young bulls managed with mature bulls, you know, so those yearlings with uh, more mature bulls. How do the interactions between uh, those bulls uh, impact fertility? And ultimately, more importantly, what happens after um, calving season? And so I've actually put GPS collars on every bull here at Cal Poly during the breeding season. So we have a 65 day breeding season. We actually artificially inseminate um, almost every female, uh, excluding our two year olds um here on campus um and so my thought was okay can i identify bulls based on their activity that for whatever reason are their behavioral attributes is there potentially a genetic component to um, their grazing behavior or activity during the breeding season that would imply um, or result in a more proficient breeder and so we've been collecting data for the past three years. Um, so we actually DNA test every calf that's born um, on campus. And so we're able to actually see um, a bull's workload um, year after year. So uh, we're moving into our third year of data collection. And so um, along with the GPS data and the DNA parentage, I'm also looking at bull body weight loss. Um, on average, our bulls lose approximately 200 pounds during the breeding season. We're taking a semen sample at the beginning of the breeding season, at the end, and then we're hoping to do a follow-up um, sample about 60 days after the breeding season um, for the spermatogenesis cycle. 
Um, and we're also looking at carcass ultrasound. So how much, just because they lost body weight, how does that impact um, the amount of fat over the ribs? How does that uh, impact any intramuscular fat deposition? Um, and on top of that, do any of these, uh, does the body weight, the activity, um, the change in body composition, does that relate to uh, fertility or ultimately parentage, right? Is there any relationship? Are the bulls that are working the hardest losing the most weight? Are they the most active? On top of that, where the heck are they spending their time? Are those breeders that are more prolific, are they going and finding females? Are they hanging out by the water trough? Um, you know, for whatever reason, those cows are coming to them. You know, how do we really know? And so, Obviously, this needs to be a long-term process, and it can't just be at Cal Poly. Um, and so I've been working uh, on building relationships with producers um, in the, our local area, but also throughout California. Um, I've had conversations with um, some potential collaborators at Chico State, um, at UC Davis, of course. And so we're hoping to expand this research and build upon this concept of um, libido, right? At the end of the day, that's really what we're trying to get after is, is there a way to identify libido um, even earlier than the breeding season, right? We know that for whatever reason, some bulls are just lazy or uh, maybe they have uh, uh, aggression, right? One bull is more aggress aggressive than another. Um, and those bulls that are less aggressive are not breeding. Um, but can we pinpoint any characteristics li li uh, related to libido at the Cal Poly bull test? Can we identify potential breeders very early on? And so we know that there's a physiological impact for sure, um, just based on some previous literature. Um, but a lot of it's behavioral, right? So at the Cal Poly bull test, can we think about it in the ways of uh, any bull aggressive aggression behaviors, um, maybe at the feed bunk, maybe they're mounting more frequently. Um, and so from there, I've kind of built some side projects into uh, metabolism, for example. You know, is there a shoot side um, test that we can develop? So I'm um, taking some of those semen samples and blood samples uh, from bulls during the breeding season, how do metabolites, the end products of metabolism, how do those change in seminal fluid, for example? Cool. So um, our preliminary data suggests that there, there aren't any issues with fertility that we can detect in a breeding soundness exam, but maybe uh, for whatever reason, that bull body weight loss um, is impactful for um, those sperm cells. And, and so that's kind of that next step for me is kind of pinpointing some things. Um, so moving from an applied type of position and incorporating some of the uh, molecular approaches um, is kind of the next step for me. So, you know, I I'm so passionate about uh, my research right now because I've got such a cool team right now. I've got three graduate students because I'm a psycho for what, you know, 
this is not a research institution, right? Cal Poly, we're famous for learn by doing, but that's why I love my research program is because I've got a group of rock star undergrads. I have about five undergraduate students, three graduate students, master students that are helping me, um, you know, collect data and, and uh, you know, it's just a great way uh, for a student learning experience. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of a highlight and a snapshot of some of the things that we're doing. Um, I can build upon some of that in the future or even uh, today if you have specific questions. So I just appreciate the chance to to talk about some of the things that we're doing here at Cal Poly that I hope will be beneficial for our California producers. Well, and, and I'm sure they will. Uh, just, just want to to thank you uh, for for your work. I, I know Brooke last said that the, the last question was the last question. The only <laughs> that's okay. We can keep <laughs> no no the, 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 the only the only quick question that I have is is how can the producers find your work? Like uh, how can we can we access uh, the the survey or something like that? How can we do you have a website, a web page or something that yeah. listeners can can see your work? Absolutely. So um we actually have um I believe that finally <laughs> maybe cut that out. <laughs> uh, but uh the survey, the proceedings paper uh based on some of the survey data that w uh was collected. Um <laughs> has been published in Translational Animal Science. So that's available um, online at Google Scholar. Um, I've also, um, as I mentioned, have published um, some work related to research at Cal Poly based on the survey data, as well as some of the work we're doing with bull activity and things like that in the California Cattlemen's Association magazine. Um, and of course, I'm hoping to um, start publishing um, some of the work that we're doing with GPS activity and things like that moving forward um, once we get through this final year of data collection. But I'm hoping we can continue to collect data uh, long term for obvious reasons um, for the applied research, you know, with the historic drought we've experienced, that's changed a lot of things. But um, I also, we have a Cal Poly Bull Test and Beef Program Facebook page, um, as well as a Cal Poly Bull Test website um, that I'm, I'm help getting students to help me um, spread the word about some of the research we're doing. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, and trust me when I say that my students are rock stars. I am technologically illiterate in many <laughs> ways. Um, and so I've been very fortunate to have excellent students that help me spread the word. And so I just want to give a shout out to them uh, for helping me keep the website um, up to date and the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. You know, that's not me. That Those are students. And what a cool experience for them. I would much rather they get the experience than me uh, <laughs> uh, because I certainly am not very good at it. So. Yeah. Perfect. I, I will. I will see if I can put some of those information in the description. Of, the description of this episode, uh, and then if anybody has any further questions, they they can contact you. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, I'm happy to provide uh, my contact info as well as um, even a link to uh, the proceedings paper. Um, and that's just a snapshot of some of the data. You know, we're uh, we're planning to submit actually um, this uh, the month of February uh, the survey data from New Mexico State and Cal Poly. Hopefully, uh, all fingers crossed. No, you will. Okay. <laughs> that, that's all for me, Brooke. Okay, great. That's that's everything for me as well. Okay. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you both so much, and it's always fun, and I, I'd, I'd be happy to be back anytime, so you just let me know. Okay. Now, to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Once again, if you guys have any questions, please an email, send an email to kettlecalucd at gmail.com, uh, and we'll be happy to, to share more information with you, Zach's contact information, anything that you may, may have. If you have questions, feedback, anything, please let us know. You can find the, the transcript format of this episode in our monthly newsletter. Uh, the, the link is in this, the description of this episode. So please subscribe to it and, and to receive this. It's, it's free and it's available to everyone. So I just want to thank you very much. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Whispers are a jingling, a cowboy is singing. Lonesome cattle call